Another month has passed So even though no one asked We're about to explore it all on the Dan Chronicles Hello everyone and welcome to the July edition of the Dan Chronicles And I say July, but I, I really pushed the envelope in terms of the deadline Because it is now July 31st Actually, I'm recording this on the 30th, so really coming down to the wire here. And yeah, I'm happy that I was able to still get this out in July, but it's interesting how motivation works, how sometimes you might have just one task specifically on your to-do list and you need to get it done. And just for whatever reason, it's so difficult to get done and this month, this newsletter was that for me. I had it maybe, I don't know, 80% done for a couple of weeks now. I just needed to finish a couple more sections and then record this podcast and then get it up. And I just couldn't do it. I wanted to, this to go out the previous Monday, but that didn't happen. And so I'm still getting it in by the 31st. So I'm still happy. But yeah, I really pushed it. But the interesting thing to me is that I usually don't really get much feedback that people are reading this newsletter, meaning that like for for Substack, they have a ability to like newsletters and, and maybe I'll get a handful of those. So I know a handful of people are reading. Um, I don't usually get replies. People don't usually talk to me about my newsletter. But this month, I guess because it was kind of pushed back and back and back, there were a few people that kind of asked, hey, when's the next newsletter coming out? Uh, which I guess is kind of exciting. It's a reward, I guess, for putting it off so much that actually I got some feedback. The people are reading it and actually know when I am not publishing. So uh, I guess I'll take that for a win, but I definitely next month want to get back to my normal schedule of sending it out more mid, late mid month rather than eking in at the last minute. I've sort of had this universal experience my entire life that I, I've talked to people about and nobody really relates or understands. And I, I'm sure that there are other people out there. But for me, my entire life, I would go to the grocery store. I might find something cool or interesting. I want to try a new product. I try it and I love it. I'm like, oh, this new whatever it is, is my favorite. I really like this. And then I'll go back a second time and I'll, I'll get it again. And then I'll go back a third time and it's not there. And I'm kind of like, okay, maybe because I'm buying it now with the restock or whatever, it just isn't available. Uh, and then it will just disappear and it will never be seen again. And this happens enough where it's particularly notable. It's something that I have explicitly noticed my entire life. And it's something that partners who, who I've been with have also never thought about before, but notice it happening to me. I discover this new thing. I'm like, oh, I really love this. Then we go back to get it and it's just gone, gone forever. And it turns out I might just be a harbinger of failure. So MIT several years ago put out this study that basically talks about a group of consumers where if they buy your product, your product will fail. Like it's just one of those, if you look at the stats, if you look at who's buying what, if you release a new product and this particular set of consumers purchase it, it just 
spells doom for your product. And that just resonated with me. I feel like maybe I am a harbinger of failure <laughs> in terms of product releases in the grocery store. So it felt good to be seen. I don't know if anybody here has also had that experience, but if so, you might be a harbinger too. And this article from MIT might resonate strongly with you as it did for me. I stumbled upon this new game called The Password Game on Neil.fun that I just kind of saw everywhere. It was one of those that like I saw on a bunch of different channels for things that I was looking at. And so I gave it a try. And basically, it tries to make a game out of creating a complex password. So the first thing it just says, create a password, you type in password or whatever. And then it says, okay, you have to include a number. And then you're like, okay, you put in a number, it has to include a uh, a symbol. And so you put in that and it's like, okay, well, the numbers need to add up to this. And every time you satisfy a rule, it gives you a new rule. And it's actually a fun little game to see if you could put together a combination of letters, numbers, symbols, emojis to satisfy all of the rules for this very complex password game. And it's really fun. Check it out. Uh, it's on neil.fun. I also have a link to it in the actual newsletter. I made it to about to the move where it involved chess. I don't know if you guys have gotten there yet, but definitely play it. Let me know how far you get. The big news this month, and actually for a few months prior, is the writer's strike. So in case you haven't been following along, uh, the, the writer's guild is currently on strike and they have been for several months. SAG, which is the actors union, also joined the strike. And the strike is really about two things. The first is artificial intelligence in the creative field of writing. And the other is streaming and trying to figure out a deal that works based on this brand new technology, streaming, that is completely revolutionizing the way people consume content. And it's a really complex issue. I haven't been following it super closely beyond the fact that I see a lot of major film studios that make a lot of money. And I see a lot of writers and actors who are not. And if they can strike in order to get a better deal and, and make a living wage, I'm definitely all for that. But ben Thompson, who writes this really interesting blog called Scratchery, put an article out that kind of contextualized it in a way that I hadn't really thought about. And I still don't know the ins and outs of this particular strike, but I thought it was particularly interesting where they talked about the last time both writers and actors were striking at the same time, and that was in the 1960s. And it was a direct result of the rise in popularity of television and what that meant for the system. And the big outcome from that writers and actors strike in the 1960s was residuals, meaning that when there was a replay of a piece of content, writers, actors, the creative people would get a portion of the money uh, as a check. And the reason why this was important is before this, the movie executives or the people producing it would take on all the risk at the very beginning. They would put up the money up front. They would hire people. They would create this thing. And then they would have this product that they could sell. And they could only sell it in a limited number of places, meaning that there are a limited number of movie theaters across the U.S. And there were a limited number of channels with 
24 hours theoretically to broadcast new content. So it was a lot of broadcast hours and a lot of theaters, but it was limited. And once you had television rising in popularity and you could rerun old stuff, every time you uh, decided to broadcast something old, that was a specific piece of time that could not go to a new piece of content. And thus you sort of had these actors and these writers competing against themselves because if they aired something new and you weren't getting paid for that, then, uh, or if they aired something old and you weren't getting paid a new fee for that, that was money out of your pocket that the executives were still making money on. And so the deal that they reached in order to make this good for everybody was residuals. So that if a movie executive or a broadcast place decided to run reruns, then you uh, would be able to to make money as if you were kind of creating something new as the actor. And the thing that's interesting about this strike right now is that entire model of limited number of time slots to broadcast things has been turned on its head with streaming. There's now no limit to the pieces of content that you can put out into this world in terms of movie theaters or television channels because you have streaming and streaming is pretty much limitless. So now all you're really competing with is a user's time, time that they could be spending doing a a number of other things from just scrolling Facebook to going outside and doing an activity or watching a show. It's all kind of in competition now. And this has completely changed the the game for both people that are producing content as well as actors. And I really, it's a complex, complex thing. And I think this article by Ben Thompson kind of highlighted how it is way more complex than I actually kind of realized originally, having given almost no thought to it. So I thought the article was really interesting. I'm kind of watching this writer's strike closely more closely now just because i'm curious how it's all going to work itself out like i said i think things are imbalanced right now in terms of major studios making a lot of money and writers and actors not making as much money and especially making less money now that we have streaming i don't know what the answer is but i'm waiting with bated breath to figure out what it is there's a new mobile game that I've just been playing so much. It's so fun. And I say it's a new game, but it's actually a remake or a remaster of an old game. The old game originally came out about 10 years ago, 2013, uh, and it's called Ridiculous Fishing. And it's this kind of fun, ridiculous game, thus the name, where you fish and you try to get your line down as far as possible, avoiding fish, and then they come out and you have to shoot all the fish in the air. And it's an arcade-like, it's a casual game that's just way more fun than it should be. But Zach Gage, who I've mentioned in the newsletter before, he's done uh, Not Words and Spell Tower and Good Sudoku and Really Bad Chess and all of these really iconic games. He's a really talented game designer. It's part of his family of games. And the new version is one that I I saw it announced and I was like, okay, great. I really need to play this. It is part of Apple Arcade. So if you have an iPhone, Apple Arcade is a $5 a month program where you just pay it and then you get to play a bunch of games for free. 
And the value really comes from if, if you have games that are not part of Apple Arcade, then you uh, are usually doing like a, a pay to play or there's some sort of way that they're trying to monetize you beyond just paying a fee and getting a game. And so these anything that's in Apple Arcade, you're paying $5 a month and you get the full game. There's no pay to win. There's no anything else. And so Ridiculous Fishing ES is part of this. And I don't really do that much gaming on mobile. And so I haven't really uh, played with Apple Arcade that much. But as soon as this came out, uh, as well as this month, there is a version of Stardew Valley that's part of Apple Arcade. I'm like, okay, you can have my $5 this month. And I don't know how long I'll keep it, but $5 in a month is definitely enough time to play Ridiculous Fishing all the way through. And it's certainly worth $5, at least in my opinion. So if you have uh, an Apple device and you are looking for a fun, relaxing game, Ridiculous Fishing and paying the $5 might be something you want to do for a month. Speaking of streaming, Netflix made some big changes that they caught a lot of uh, stress and agita about in terms of password sharing. So they're really starting to crack down on password sharing. And everybody kind of wondered how it would work out for them, whether people would just cancel their Netflix and then not have it anymore, or whether people would actually sign up for their new accounts. And the the numbers have come out. It's actually been good for Netflix. They've gotten way more signups than they did losing people. So I, I guess good for them. Uh, but there was a really funny skit by this sketch comedy group called Almost Friday that dives into this a little bit. I've linked it in my newsletter, but I definitely recommend checking it out because it's a it's a fun way to make light on this very interesting business decision that Netflix made. And that brings us to the end of this month's newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you are just listening and you aren't subscribed to my newsletter, I definitely recommend signing up for that email subscription. You can do that on my website, danb.org. It's D-A-N-N-B.org. It's all done through Substack, at least for now. So you could also find me on Substack. And with that said, have a fantastic month. Yeah.